Hey friends, welcome back to your favorite homeschool podcast. You're listening to season two of the Friends of Cabrini podcast. Go ahead right now and subscribe on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And make sure you go tell a friend. Hey friends, welcome back to the Friends Cabrini podcast. This is episode six of our season two show. And we have a phenomenal educator on today. Her name is Kais, which rhymes with eyes, right? She is a native of New Jersey and is currently teaching fourth graders in the Chicago area. She has a educational background of over 21 years of experience and expertise um, in elementary education, as well as just a love for teaching and working with young people and advocacy work with young people as well. She's been nominated over not once, but twice as Teacher of the Year, as well as she has also taught and worked in New Jersey, Maryland. And she worked two years in China. Welcome to our show, Mrs. Wright. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. I think I forgot to mention that you are an entrepreneur. An author. (laughs) (laughs) This is the stage and age where, you know, multiple streams of income are important. Um, but, you know, when it's your own thing and your vision, um, it doesn't feel like work. So I am I am passionate about those side endeavors because they, they bring me joy because they are, they are directed by me. I'm my own boss. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, you know, um, as I mentioned, right, for our listeners to know, you have over 21 years of experience as it relates to education, elementary education. Is that still correct? Elementary education? all the way up to eighth as a reading interventionist in a middle school in Maryland for th- uh, four years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was going to say, what, what has been your um, experience, I guess, as it relates to, you know, just teaching in the different states, but you kind of started with it because um, I know you said Maryland and New Jersey mm-hmm. you taught there, but now you're here in Chicago. So have you seen any differences as far as with the, the youth that you've worked with? Um, no, <laughs> to be honest, I think children will be children regardless. Um, I think, uh, depending on the, you know, the so- socioeconomic, you know, uh, factors that, you know, you're, you are in, um, that may, may give, you know, a little different view, um, on it, but much I have worked in, you know, title one schools, um, the only exception, I think, uh, I worked in China for two years. I was at a private school. So those children were privileged. Um, and so that I got a chance to see not only private school education, but, you know, to work with children who have, have means and, and how, you know, maybe their families, you know, because there are cultural differences there clearly. But, you know, it's interesting to see what happens when you know you you have to pay tuition and you have to pay for everything in the school that you have basically so i think the biggest biggest difference um for me personally may have been in maryland with the the reading intervention work because that was a middle school setting um and i basically worked from with grades six through eight um my first two years solo managing you know a lot of the reading intervention work for the building myself And, um, you know, that's really tough stuff because you have our young people who are, you know, in middle school, but yet they're still three years behind, you know, in terms of their literacy. So that, that was tough. You know, they don't, you know, in middle school, they're, you know, they're on something else. They want to be social. They want to be doing everything (laughs) and they don't want to be in school. Let's, let's keep it real. You know, their minds, you know, a lot of them are, are just somewhere else, particularly seventh and eighth graders I found to be probably most challenging. So I think that was the biggest difference. Elementary school kids, they kind of still like you. <laughs> right. You know, you know, and I, so I think I don't see difference in children 
you know, between the, the grades of three and let's say five, you know, but when you have sixth graders in with seventh and eighth graders who, you know, that, that could be some, some real different stuff. So I think sixth graders still, when they're the babies of the building, they're still the babies. And to put them in with kind of big and rum, tough and rumble, eighth, seventh, and eighth graders, depending on who they are and what they've been exposed to, um, can be a little challenging. Right. I agree. It, it does sound like it. And I've seen a little bit of that here in Chicago. So mm. it's interesting that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. You know, to talk about like your day-to-day doings in your classroom, I was curious to know if there was any particular like pedagogies or teaching philosophies that you follow or you might practice um, with your students and have you found yourself kind of shifting through them over the years as the, the students change from year to year or generation to generation? Um, I think the approach has to be different. You know, every year you're getting a new set of of students, new set of circumstances. You know, um, nothing is ever really the same. You know, some things may seem very familiar. Oh, okay, I've seen this before. Okay, this is how we need to uh, 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 handle that. I think um, before you really get to teach any child, you really do need to know, you need to build a relationship you know that social emotional which is you know the hot (laughs) hot topic these days but definitely i've always felt like that you know like if they don't trust you if they don't feel like they that you care about them it will be very challenging to reach them to teach them so i think that that philosophy of mine has stayed the same i think what definitely um is new is the pivot we've had to take to deal with the the adjustment after COVID, and I'll say after loosely, right? <laughs> um, we've had to make some adjustments to our approach. You know, we you know the things that maybe we never even thought about before are are, are right in our faces now, and we have to deal with them. You know, the learning loss, um, students not having access to let's say technology or textbooks or whatever it is that has made, you know, the last two years super, super, number one, unique, of course, but definitely challenging in terms of um, teaching and learning. So I think that the push for social-emotional learning as a curriculum, if you will, or a to-do every day, Um, is definitely something new because the schools are fostering that. Like, you need to make sure that you are really making a conscientious effort to check in with children, have, you know, conversations, and make that part of your learning. And um, it's something I've always done. It's always been embedded in my work. Um, I just know it is super important and much needed now. Yeah, I think that my philosophy remains the same. Um, my personal philosophy in terms of this, this career, um, all children can learn regardless. Um, we have to meet them where they are. I guess, you know, speaking to the social and emotional piece, how do you foster culturally relevant you know, content, uh, how do you set up the environment in your classroom where your ch- your children are able to kind of connect with you? Because I, I know that you're very artistic and very creative and you are a world traveler. So what kind of things do you bring in to kind of engage them and keep their interests? Uh, one of the things I, I do, you know, because let's say, for example, every morning there's a morning announcement and there's like a Black history fact. You know, uh, if the children are listening, then they, they, they'll learn, right? <laughs> but that's over the PA. So I make it my business to pull up on the screen as often as I can the picture of that person. You know, if I have some inside information on that person, sometimes, who knows, I may actually know them. Or maybe they were a graduate of Rutgers University, so I make that connection. You know, so I wow. make a connection to myself 
to maybe my experience to show, you know, to share with my students. Um, I also try to make sure that I encourage them to, you know, oh, hey, I love this, this person, or maybe they're, you know, oh, I collect Barbie dolls, right? Black Barbie dolls. So Maya Angelou, if there's a quote, you know, that's on the morning announcements about that or something we're reading, I'll say, okay, here's Maya Angelou. I brought in my Black Barbie, that you know, my collector's item, my Maya Angelou doll. Oh, we're talking about Rosa Parks? Here's my Rosa Parks collectible. You know, Ida B. Wells, and the list goes on. So I try to make them see that I'm, I'm not just about this textbook that's in front of me, Are you enjoying the podcast? Remember to subscribe to Friends of Cabrini on Spotify. Now back to the episode. Absolutely. I, I think because they, they need to see it in action. You know, they need to see it in action. They need to believe that, you know, it's possible that they could be the next Busable. They could be, you know, the next Oprah Winfrey. You know, and I think when they say, oh, wow, my teacher has seen that or knows about that, you know, done that, it makes it so much more real for them. You know, um, I think when I say, you know, hey, I was raised by a single mom, too. And she used to tell me school is my job, you know, and they go, what? I'm like, well, you know, this is the work that you have to do, you know, and so it makes it. I'm not just the teacher in front of them anymore. It's, oh, yeah, she's, she's been where we are once or twice before, you know? <laughs> you know, right. be more relatable. Um, you know, children are always watching for what you do as much as, as, or as, what you, as, much as you say. Um, and I want them to know that my life is probably or has not been much different than their own experience. So culturally, you know, I... I mean, I'm a, a black woman, you know, and yes, I've, I've traveled and I've done some things, but, you know, I grew up, you know, in poverty as well. And, and, and so, you know, I want them to connect with the idea that, you know, it, it's not, it may be challenging sometimes, but your education will be the thing that you nobody can take from you. You know, it's yours. And, you know, I, I want them to know that anything is possible. I love that. I you just made me think of a memory that I have with that very saying. Uh, my uncle, my great uncle, told me that when I was sixteen, how education is yours; no one can take it from you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very powerful that you mentioned that. So you know, um, you are a native of New Jersey mm-hmm. and worked all over, just about. Mm-hmm. Why Chicago? Why teach in Chicago? What attracted you to the city? <laughs> well, that's a background story. <laughs> There's a bit of a story of that. Um, I'm very, I can be very deliberate and intentional as I should be in making choices of where to go, what to do. Um, I here's my here's my philosophy. I do believe I can teach anywhere, and I've, I've clearly done that. But I, I I was I should say I did a long long stint in New Jersey. I did 13 years in New Jersey, and then I went to Maryland, and then China. And okay. So, okay. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure your students are definitely uh, loving, and and they love to have you there, and. I'm, I'm sure they, they're proud to have you as their teacher. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you are an author and entrepreneur, and that is also worth noting yeah. as well. So talk to me a little bit about K Monica Consulting, because from what I see, you're doing a lot of good work um, advocating for youth and helping them to uh, gain and develop their reading skills and comprehension skills. Mm-hmm. Um, well, K Monica Consulting was started a year ago. Um, I, I came across this wonderful woman, Dr. Chanel DeBose, on Facebook, you know, and I, I, she just kept coming across my line of sight. And she is a is a highly successful um, consultant herself, and she is in the business of supporting those who want to be consultants who want to come out of the classroom. And, you know, helping them develop their own business. 
And I thought, I never even, and once I started reading, you know, some of the stuff that she's done and how she's doing it, and I never really thought about that kind of work for myself. But then again, I, I wanted to marry the two worlds, you know, this urge to help support parents and families in terms of liter literacy. Um, and then, you know, the messages and the information I was getting about her, I wanted to marry that together for myself. And I thought, okay, so I can still do what I love because if I could only teach literacy, I promise you, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> So then I said, well, you know, why not be your own boss and you can track what it is that you want to do to support the parents the way you want to support them because you know what the needs are. Um, and again, coming out of China, I, the need was there. People were asking me like, okay, I need you to come help. I want you to come do this homeschooling thing. I want you to see my kid for three hours. Wait, no, wait. <laughs> so my, my writing the book, my writing my book, How Do I Get My Kid to Read? was born out of this way of trying to help a lot of families who needed my help and I couldn't go to them directly to, to, to do the work. So I wanted to give them a gift, a very simple five-step guide, if you will, to say, try these things because they're either low cost or no cost. And it just really requires a little time. some of the um, literacy supports that you would recommend for maybe early readers or for children who, you know, probably, I guess the parents would want them to be reading. I would say like that, I guess maybe the parents would want them to be reading, but maybe they're kind of struggling a little bit. Yeah, I, I call them uh, like resistant readers, right? So, okay. you know, like for me, and here's the thing I tell folks too, that my book, because folks always say, well, what age group is it for? It's, it's for nine to 90, because we know we lot, lots of adults struggle with reading, right? And they don't, uh -huh. they're not really motivated to read because they're worried about getting it right, right? So I tell folks, you know, just try to read every day, right? And read out loud every day, you know, with your child. You know, picture books for reading, let them interpret text by way of pictures say you know what do you see happening there who's that what's that you know very simple questions will get conversations about what they see on the page going and eventually when they get to words will get better at identifying the words then you know you can address that um the other tip i i suggest is to make sure that the child you know can read the book one of the ways that children who already struggle with reading get turned off is because they can't read it, so they put it down. But, you know, there's nobody there to encourage them to pick it up and say, okay, well, you're not ready for that just yet. And the language is everything. You're not ready for that just yet, but I see that you really like that book. So let's do some practice maybe with this book here and then you'll, you'll be ready for that. But in the meanwhile, we, you know, I can read it out loud to you or we can spend some time looking at the pictures, you know. So there are ways to, let's say, massage, <laughs> you know, uh, the interest, to keep the interest going without totally turning them off because they can't read, you know, word for word from that particular book. is when our children are sitting in front of the TV watching those cartoons, turn, uh -huh. on, turn on the closed captions. Oh, yes, yes, I agree. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> helps Eight, with reading, right. helps with spelling. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And they're hearing it, they're hearing it. So that, that's a fluency trick, you know, as well. You know, they're hearing what those words sound like. So yeah. Yes, that's a, that's actually a very good one. I think that works with language too, right? If you're, you're learning a different language as well. Mm -hmm. um, wow, I never even thought about that one. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned, I was going to say, you mentioned uh, picture books. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of the early readers, the little ones, the early mm -hmm. readers, they like picture books. But then what happens when it's time for them to go up the level, you know, and it's time for them to start with those smaller 
chapter books and we want to kind of wing them off of relying on pictures to help them with identifying what the words are mm-hmm. but more so with just sounding out the words would you recommend uh for the children to really just focus on like advanced phonics or would you recommend something different um phonics i i would say now this is not my zone of genius i will tell you that i'm a literacy person but the high you know upper elementary <laughs> so i've okay. never had i've never had the experience of going from little 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 to okay now you're in third grade <laughs> but i would right. say that certainly phonics is a component and here we are i'm teaching fourth grade and I recognize that some of my kids, my students, definitely need some phonics instruction. No, not some. They need a lot, right? Because they miss some core or key pieces, and you know, for whatever reason. And we need to get back to that. We need to strengthen phonemic awareness, word sounds, you know, all of that stuff. Because we need to build better readers, and you have to do that from the foundational skills up. You know, so yes, pictures, sounds, alphabets, you know, small, small words, you know, identifying things, labeling things, you know, it's almost like maybe teaching someone who is um, a native Spanish speaker, right? You yes. Got to, you have to immerse them in English, label everything around, let them say it over and over again, speak sentences. You know, like all of that stuff. And of course, that's a gradual process and it takes time. But we have to put in the time if we're going to move them from where they are to, you know, the next level. And I'm glad you mentioned that speaking about time, because I feel like with as, as with some of the children, right, as they age and they go from grade to grade, like you just mentioned, you see that there is a little bit of um, struggle there with some of the basic things. But then... I'm just wondering, does it make it more of a challenge for you once they have entered into your fourth grade class? Because now you might have to pull small groups and you might have to work with them on some of those things that they should have gotten right in second, third, first grade, mm-hmm. but they didn't receive. And it's in those things might be somewhat connected to whatever your, um, you know, lesson objectives are for the day but it's still kind of kind of off path from that so how much time do you actually have to commit within a day or maybe a week you know to kind of assist those learners and mm-hmm. kind of getting up to speed where they should be at according to the um, school me- metrics or standards mm-hmm. or things like that oh yeah it is definitely a challenge um i think having been an interventionist in the middle school as i mentioned um, I understand the need for it, you know, in that work, that's what I was doing all day, you know, so I didn't have to worry about writing papers, you know, editing papers, you know, all that other stuff, because I was doing the work to support those, those, uh, those gaps. Um, it is, it can be time consuming, but you know what? We get a lot of joy, or I do, I could say. I get a lot of joy in small groups because I know the power of it. I know the power of, I always call them quiet conversations because let's say you have a group of four or five kids. You say today, we're only going to work on this, you know, and you are doing that deliberate and intentional um, delivery of instruction. And it is not, you know, definitely not more than 30 minutes. And if it's your lowest group, you might be seeing them a couple times a week. You give them, you know, supported uh, learning. You know, I do, we do, then you do. And you say, okay, I want to try it by yourself. You know, if you need a partner, you got the same folks in your group. They can, you can support one another. So you enable them, you know, by demonstrating that they can in the group. And then you send them off. And you're checking in, you know. And then you may see them in, in another day or two. So, yeah, small groups are a thing every day. And I enjoy it because the kids feel like they're getting more one-to-one attention, if you will, you know, more more specialized attention and time that the teacher, as opposed to in the big group where kids may not want to talk because they're intimidated or embarrassed. They know their lesson might look a little different than everybody else's. It may be the same thing, but 
you know, they, they, it's intimate time. It's intimate time. And the kids always walk away going, that's right. I really like small groups. <laughs> I had to kick them out. Okay. I got to meet with the next group, you know, but it's very, <laughs> you know, and so I get a lot of joy out of that because I see wins. I see Are you enjoying the podcast? Remember to subscribe to Friends of Cabrini on Spotify. Now back to the episode. See when in front of me and they're not in a sea of kids who, you know, and they may get be getting lost or not being with me. So I, I, I appreciate that work. Nice. So are you solely just teaching uh, reading in, to your fourth grade class or are you teaching all subjects now? All subjects. <laughs> like I oh said, my. I, wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could, but that's okay because, you know, I, I, I enjoy the work and it's what I've done a lot of my career, but ha- at least half of my career, you know, I was mostly focused on literacy. How do you feel about the curriculum choices that the schools have have made over the years? Uh, well, you know, I, I think sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's that's the nice answer. I think you know, have I come across a curriculum that I go, oh my god, what were they thinking? Yes, um, and I understand why. And here's the thing, like we might get a, 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 let's say a reading program where we say, ooh, the stories in this are culturally responsive, responsible, and they like, they speak to our kids and like all of that, boom. But yeah, this writing part of it, I'm uh, not really, uh, you know, <laughs> like, and then the, the, um, the expert teacher or the veteran teacher, you know, the experienced teacher will say, okay, I can take those pieces and parts and how do I make this work? for the kids that are in front of me. Maybe they don't need every single thing that this curriculum is saying. Maybe we need to craft this and shape this and 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 twist this a little bit so it meets the needs of our children. So I appreciate being in schools where they say, what do we need to do for this to, to work for our kids? I do, and I've had that. And I'm grateful when they say, you guys ought to know if this is working, Okay, tell us. If it's not working, how do we, you know, what do we need to do? And so I've had a lot of that, more times than not. And I'm grateful when people say, we, we trust what you're saying. From what you're saying, I'm, I'm thinking of two things. And I, I, I feel like I have a, a two, two questions to that. One would be about the administrators. But before I ask that question, um, what you mentioned about being able to adjust and kind of reshape or recreate the curriculum to fit the learners that you have in your class. I think that's important because that's not something that a lot of other uh, public school educators are, are able to experience, you know, depending on their school or their district. And like for Chicago public schools right now, I know that a lot of the schools are testing out the Skyline curriculum. And many times I've, I've connected with different educators and they've all said like, it's so just challenging to teach it to the children because mm-hmm. it's a little bit more advanced than mm-hmm. where their children are in the class. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also difficult because it doesn't give them the room, as you, as you mentioned, to kind of um, create it in a way where the children will be able to understand the, the content. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, I definitely want to say thank you for mentioning that because a lot of people this past uh, couple of six months, I would say, have all said Skyline is horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, don't, they don't, they don't want CPS to uh, implement it at all throughout the schools, mm-hmm. but they're definitely testing it out and. Mm-hmm. What is, also be one that you guys are working on right now the skyline curriculum or do you have a different one no we 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 don't use that we have conversations about what we're you know if it's new okay what's working well oh did we give too much too soon if it's new what what should we do what are our kids biggest needs like we're we're having conversations about what works and what doesn't work often like there's no meeting that i'm in 
with my team, my fourth grade team, that we're not taking a look at what's happening. And, oh, you know, well, maybe we need to just, you know, we need to redo this again or do this in a different way or chunk this down just a little bit and slow slow it down. You know, whatever. We're having those conversations all the time. There's not a curriculum that I've ever come across that I've hated. I've always found a way to make it, I'm going to use the word palatable. <laughs> okay. You know, as an educator to say, you know what, I can do this. But I'm clear about what my students' needs are. And so that way, I'm, we're not overwhelming them or I'm not overwhelming them. And we're having those authentic conversations on a regular basis so that way we can meet our students' needs without, you know, making them frustrated. We don't want them to not want to learn, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that people are listening to our concern. Ken, what would you say about, like, how can administrators of the different districts or, or the different schools, um, if you will, how can they support teachers better? How can they make sure you have what you need to be impactful and effective in the classroom every day? Mm. Oh, great. That's a great question. Um, what I'm happy for, what I'm really grateful for being particularly uh, here in Chicago and my, my particular school um, is that I culture and climate amongst the staff right and at administration um our coaches um from the from day one i've always felt supported and encouraged um you know but again it, it just depends on who you are i mean i'm experienced i've been at this for a long time so i'm not i'm not afraid or intimidated to say you know what i'm not really sure about this or maybe i don't know you know um maybe you can show me how i think what what will serve people who have some misgivings or you know um some uncertainty you you need to have somebody for support you know be it a colleague be it a coach and just say hey i'm not sure about this or this makes me uncomfortable i'm worried about my kids or my students not being able to do this you know, coaches are there to help support you. you you're not going to be helped by not saying anything. You know, coaches are really your allies. They've been in the classroom. They are, um, they are there to help you in terms of your instructional needs. So I think having those conversations with them are super important. You know, and mine is always asking me, how can I support you? Do you need anything? You know, you're good. You're always good. And I, I, you know, and I tell her, I say, don't get it wrong. There's some days where I come in here and I, I'm like, wait, how do I solve this problem? You know, so I think number one, you just have to say, number one, I have a problem. Number two, I'm not really sure about this, this approach. So can we kind of talk it out? Because I think everybody appreciates being heard and they value having a say. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to say, oh, you don't like that? Let's get rid of it, right? But I think if you have if you have an honest conversation, at least it will have, hurt, it will have hit someone's ears. And if, even if there's somebody else on, let's say, your team that is saying, okay, yeah, we're saying that this is not working or this is our kids are, you know, we need to do something else. That's an honest conversation because I, I think there's safety in numbers, right? So if you have a few people who are seeing the same things that are saying, okay, we tried this, uh, we may not need to, you know, to adjust this or do something else. I think administrators value that. Now, somebody, somebody might call me crazy. Somebody might say, oh, that's going to work for me. I can't speak for everybody's experience. But I can always, the only thing I can do is suggest that you get your voice heard. Speak to somebody who's experienced, particularly if you're new, if you're a young teacher, you know, you, you gotta have somebody to support you, right? And then there, there are levels, like go to your coach, you know, say, hey, I might need to go in and sit on somebody else's lesson to get some ideas. We do that, we do peer observations. So we can get some fresh ideas and fresh approaches. Come to you, right? Because you have an amazing consulting company. Sure. You know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be out here helping parents, but I, I could do that. <laughs> do that. Thank you, because you just added another stream of income to my my business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, there's there's a there's a ton of 
as you, I'm sure you already know, because you've been in the field for many, many years, there is a huge gap and a huge need for new educators to come aboard. So I'm sure the first year educators can use a lot of the knowledge that you have and the expertise that you have. So I definitely think that that should be something <laughs> you right. should consider. I didn't think about it that way. I was trying to avoid that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I try to support new teachers all the time because I, I, you know, hey, not long ago, I was one of them. And you know, when you move to a different building, you won't go to another uh, network or city. Everything is different. So last year, you know, I, it was my rookie year at, at UC, Chicago Donahue Charter. Like it was... It, that was my rookie year. So I had to figure out now I'm in a charter school, you know, and this is different, you know, and I'm not really sure what the huge difference is because I haven't been there long enough to really to say, oh, yeah. But, you know, so much of what I've seen, it happens wherever else I've been. The kids are the same, the staff, you know, like it's all of those elements have been in place, <laughs> all those other places. You, you have you thought? Have you thought about maybe switching over to CPS, or would you like to just remain at the charter that you're at? No, I, I like where I am. I do. I like. It. I mean, the only thing that's going to happen for me after this experience would be me doing my consulting business full time. That's it. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, homeschool, home education? How do you feel about that? I well, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, I will tell you one experience I had uh, many years ago. I think I was a, I was probably a new teacher and I was asked to tutor a young lady in my hometown who was a gymnast, like she was full time. Uh, mm -hmm. She was on her way to, you know, the Olympic trials type stuff. And her parents had me come in and she was doing homeschooling. So she'd get up at the wee hours of the morning and this is when VHS was a thing. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a Christian education school. And then here I come, the tutor, probably after she came out of the gym in the evenings to, for, you know, an hour or so. Now I used to pick on her father because the girl was exceptional. I don't know how she was doing all this stuff and then she had to turn around and look at me for an hour. Uh, a couple times a week or every week for several weeks. But um, I thought homeschooling is a commitment and I commend parents and families who can do it. Um, people have often said to me, oh, COVID, you know, felt had me feeling like I was homeschooling and I totally disagree. <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree with you. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, no, that that's a little different. That's a little different. You know, and I don't think parents understand the undertaking or the magnitude of it. So, you know, it, it's a commitment that you are the teacher, you are providing, you know, you, you need to teach all those subject areas. Like, you know, that is like being a, a teacher, 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 you know, like, and so I think kudos to anybody who says this is what I want for my child and I'm going to take it on because it is a commitment um, and I don't think people really understand that so you know during COVID folks were trying to you know make a make the comparison or you know it was like no I don't think so <laughs> I don't think you understand so I think you know I am it's to you are to be commended you are to be commended. I think I think it's both ways, though. I don't think it's even just, you know, the idea of homeschooling is just a commitment. I think public as a public educator, that's also a commitment as well, because sure. you're teaching these children every day, all year long, right? And you have them maybe for six, seven hours. And the parents, some of the parents have no idea right. what's going on, you Absolutely. know? And like you said, when COVID happened, the pandemic happened, now they're just like bamboozled. They don't know what to do. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. a journey. Yeah, yeah. So no, you're you don't go from, you know, like, oh, the teachers got them be at home and now I'm homeschooling. No, not yeah. quite. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Yeah, there was no, you're, you're so right. You're so right. It is definitely a commitment. Um, the, the one thing that I, I was, you know, you know, myself as a homeschooler, the one thing that I try to tell people that feel like they want to or they're curious about it, hmm. I, I like to tell them 
like you said, it is a commitment, but I would say that it's the same way that you are. It's it's the same way that you are to be committed to parenting, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, the parent, ideally, if you're a good parent, we're going to say that you're not going to give up on your child. Mm-hmm. You're there, you're going to be patient, you're going to be loving, you're going to tell them the truth, you're going to be honest, you're going to support them, nurture them, guide them. Mm-hmm. And those are really all of the things that you're doing in homeschool. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're adding in the element of teaching them different things or allowing them to explore. Like for us as unschoolers, I'm I'm less focused on uh, curriculum, mm-hmm. but more focused on my son having experiences. Mm-hmm. So like how you mentioned about the student you had that was a gymnast, that's kind of how my son is. He's doing a whole bunch of different things and... I tell them every day, your thing is to live out your dream and my thing is to make it happen. Mm, love it. And and that's that's totally fine. And I think if people look at it as look at education regardless of which end of it you're on, mm-hmm. if you look at educating your child as a whole, mm-hmm. as being committed to parenting, I think you'd be so much better off. I think our children will be better off. We we'd be you know, we'd see the civilization rise to a new spectrum of being where there's less uh, chaos and dysfunction and right. more good people out here. But it, it tells you something, you know, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I feel like my when I think back on the pandemic, I think that it didn't show I feel like it didn't show as much as far as what parents didn't know as far as educating, mm-hmm. but it absolutely showed more so that if you were a quality parent or not. Because mm-hmm. because <laughs> a lot of people because a lot of people right now speaking to and, and speaking from it from the aspect of where you're in right in public education, mm-hmm. a lot of people would say, well, once the kids came back to school, there was a whole lot of learning loss and. Uh, different expectations, you know, with technology being implemented or not being available and accessible, blah, blah, blah. But then that's just that one or two year bid. Mm-hmm. What happened before mm-hmm. 2020? You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Can't You can't say that, well, my child wasn't able to read because of COVID, that's right. but your child is now in the eighth grade. That's right. There are things that you were not doing prior to 2020. So that proves that it's not just about the education. We're speaking more so to your parenting. And I have found, I have found that a lot of people, like you said, who thought they were temporary homeschoolers (laughs) are now realizing you're you're not an educator of any walk of life, but you are (laughs) so much like in trouble when it comes to your parenting. You uh-huh. let your child fall off and yeah. just everything, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I call, I often refer to it as, you know, like standing in front of a mirror. Yeah. You know, COVID brought a lot of mirrors into homes. And you got to see yourself. You got to see yourself in that mirror. You can't make up what's not there. There's stuff there. Yeah. You got to take a look at it. And, you know, if we like what we see in the mirror, then okay, we keep it moving. And, you know, you, got, you should probably do something. That outfit don't look good, honey. Take it off. You know, if you're not matching, you know, like, you got, so the mirror is there for you to reflect. And yeah. it was an opportunity. And I use the word opportunity for folks to get real about some stuff or it really COVID made, got real for them, made it get real for them, you know? Yeah. Like, whoa, you know, let's just say, and I think in many respects, some parents really didn't know their children in terms of the academic piece because so much has been given to the schoolhouse, right? So you send yes. them, you're thinking, oh, they got it, they got it, they got it, you know? And I beg to say, I you know, like, I beg to differ on that. We don't always got it. And, you know, sometimes when we're reaching out to say, okay, what, you know, 
how's the homework going or you know can like and when there's nothing when you're getting no response you're not getting any support because it's a it's a community it is stakeholders parents the schoolhouse like all of us need to be together on that so when it was um i'll use the word thrust back solely into the homes mostly into the homes in terms of the time never mind the, the teaching but the time that the children were in the home that that was the mirror that was the mirror that was the opportunity to say okay let me really see what's going on here Prepare. yes and some of them chose to ignore what was in the mirror I, I think you hit it right on the head. It's it's it was so much, and it still is, right? Because a lot of them are still yeah. not, like you said, not facing the truth and the reality of things, and mm -hmm. a lot of shifting in the blame game. And yeah. the sad part is that the person that is going to just kind of be messed up in it all is going to be the children. It's going to be the child because they're not going to have. Uh, the resources or the knowledge that they should have, the right. appropriate resources and knowledge, right? So yeah, it's 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 a lot. Um, yeah, and I and I'm glad that you said that about that commitment. That's that's the thing. I think parents just don't understand. You should be committed in general to your child. Mm -hmm. You're raising someone who's gonna come into the world, and based on what you put into that child every day. Is gonna it's gonna determine later on, right? We're gonna see later on the fruits of that. We're gonna see right. if your child is going to either be a positive leader in the community right. or whatever community he or she is, right. is in, or we're yeah. gonna see if they're gonna be very disruptive. And then we're, we're it, it, I think people miss it. I just feel like they they really miss it. Like you're not really acknowledging how your one job is just to parent. And you can save so much other drama that can possibly happen in your kids' future if you yeah. were just there guiding them, nurturing them. Quite frankly, you know, I always say, like, these, this this curriculum stuff, eh, you know, I'm trying to teach you some stuff about life. I'm trying to teach you that your attitudes and how what you value and what has holds manifest itself into life-altering events, both good and bad. Um, I want them to know that the decisions and the choices that they are making, their attitudes about work, about teamwork, about getting along, about being, you know, um, making a difference in communities, their communities. Like, that's the stuff that really moves me. I get to tell little Black children, like, listen, I came from some of this stuff that y'all came out of. I hear you. I feel you. I understand your upset, your anger, your dad's not there. Like all of that stuff, trying to get them to understand like this is your job right now and it's not easy, but you can get through this if you make the effort. It is not all on the children. It is not on the children. I want to give them hope and I want to inspire them to say, you know what? I want to be like Miss Wright. I want to be able to travel the world, to see some things, to do some things because I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, that place existed. Oh, wow. Miss Wright went to the Great Wall of China and slept outside on a camping trip. Wow. You know, like, I want them to see that the world, there's a whole world beyond Chicago. Yes. You know, I want them to know, like, if you have some great, valuable resources here culturally. You haven't been to a museum? Wow, we need to work on that. You, you know, you have... <laughs> We need, like, we just had a conversation about field trips today, like how we want to expose our children to some things like that. Oh, Miss Wright, you know a cowboy? Yes, I have a friend who owns a horse ranch in Florida. We're going to get him on Zoom one day. You know, like, that's the stuff I'm after. Curriculum is cool, but I'm like, life events, experience. Let's get that's that done too. <laughs> and that's, and so I think, you know, as a homeschooler, I think, you know, that's where a lot of other homeschoolers see there being the issue of, of public school, which is why they probably would choose homeschool as well, because like you just mentioned, the life events. Um, it's amazing that you mentioned the field trips, because that's true. A lot of children here in Chicago have not experienced outside of their neighborhood, you know, their, their little radius. So that's important. Um, I definitely can 
tell you or recommend a bunch of new places that to take them. And I would also, you know, consider even thinking outside of the box of not just the traditional, uh, uh, what do you call it, the traditional public museums. I would probably think about some other things that they can experience, you know, maybe factories and things of that nature. Mm. Um, my son, so funny, my son last night, we were talking about food and we came across a video of one of the factories here that makes the hot dogs. And yeah, after watching the video and the process of it all, I was like, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do to go to a factory. I was like, but we're watching this and this is cool. And he's like, I'm not eating hot dogs anymore. It's done, it's over. <laughs> That's it. That I was like, okay. He's, he's eight, he'll be nine soon. Oh, boy. But it, it, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, in our conversations, like, our conversations always go from one thing to the next. So right. it, it ended at that, but it started because we were talking about, uh, we're talking about pork. We're talking about pigs and chitlins and stuff. And he was just like, let's go to YouTube. YouTubed it, and he's like, no, no, this is how they make it in the factory. No, <laughs> never, never, now. So I... I've been really big uh, on like telling him in the last two or three years, like we are going to go to a factory where you can learn how things are made and what it is, the process of things, because he's interested in engineering. That's perfect. So last night we watched those two videos and he, he watched a video on how they make wool and it was even crazy. Like my son, he is so, he's so intuitive and he's, he watches, he watched the video and he's like, Mom, do you see how he grabbed that sheep and just start cutting him up? And then he looks at the the uh, comments. He's like, Look, look at what this lady said. She said they need to. Go, he said they need to call animal rights and blah blah. So but then he's gonna become an advocate for animals. Like you know, you never know. You might want to become a veterinarian. Look at what you're doing. You know. Yeah, he he's so into it. He's like, Why didn't they rough him up like that? And, well, look at it. It's just running now. <laughs> He's curious to become a veterinarian. I mean, a vegetarian. He's never going to eat any meat, nothing. He's going to be. He's just. He's cured now. <laughs> yeah, he's just looking at everything and he's just like, this is really what it is. Like, this is really how people are in the world. This is how it, it is. I'm like, yeah, this is this is it. Okay. You would never know these things though. Most kids, right, wouldn't know these things at this point in time and age. They would only find these things out once they became adults and became employed at these places. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something. I definitely would recommend like thinking outside of the box and, and taking them to places that typically they wouldn't think of, right? Because in all it takes is just one small question, a simple question of how something is made, or what, or or just a small conversation of something, and it'll it'll foster so much there. So, and you know what? I'm glad you said that because it gets me to thinking. Back in China, in the school I was in, we had what we call exhibition, think like science fair, right? So, mm -hmm. a it was going to be about around, um, you know, recycling or something to that effect. The children got to, you know, along with their parents, they had an opportunity to really sponsor their own field trips. So in terms of like, you know, if they knew somebody who, like you said, worked in a factory or worked for a manufacturer or whatever, they could make arrangements with their parents. They're like, okay, on this day, Miss Kais, I'm going to be out of school because I'm going to go over and meet with or shadow this person doing this thing. Because when I go to do my project, I'll have a better understanding of how these things work. And I thought, oh my God, that is so wonderful. Like we didn't have to take everybody on the same trip. It was, go ahead, just let us know when you're going. So, you know, like, but it was all mm -hmm. connected to their learning. It was an IB school, which is a whole different thing. And you give, you give the learner a whole lot there, a whole lot of leeway, um, you know, cause again, it's, it's about building the whole child. So that, that is a magnificent experience that you're providing and yes I, I agree like i saw that in china and i thought oh they're going over here talk about how they can use the scraps to you know put together compost and you know help with the environment like oh that makes sense <laughs> you know yes i saw that they got to do their own thing for a whole day go on that field trip and see what it's about you have is it 
five or four months left or six months left of the school year this this I'm year. Counting, but go ahead. <laughs> so February, March, April, May, June. Let's say five months. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what's uh what do you have planned ahead for yourself? You know, I, I'm sure you're gonna have a fantastic summer working on your consulting and maybe yes. a new book. Yes. <laughs> well, I am. I, I always have ideas. It's a matter of having the time so my creativity bubble will burst. Like, I, then I pour out because that's what happened with the book last year. Okay. Um, so I always, uh, well, last year and this summer again, I'll do it because I have the gift of time. Um, I have two weeks in New Jersey immediately when school gets out because I got to go home and see my people and my, my daughter. My daughter is 27 years old. Um, and, um, yes, I will be working on the consulting business and, you know, I'm learning about, you know, how to write proposals and to go after contracts now that will, you know, that will foster, facilitate, you know, working for myself <laughs> and hopefully in the next year, you know, hopefully in the next year. I don't know if it's going to happen by the end of this year, school year or even December, but that's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. And so the summer will provide me with an opportunity to do that. But of course, to relax and enjoy Chicago because summertime in the in Chicago is really good. I love it. Have you come across any like contracts that will help you with um, maybe offering your services to to the schools here um, right that would be a stream of income for you in in yeah. your business the issue would be right now because i'm in the school right okay. <laughs> full time right so i i definitely will at some point um and and i it's there's probably a conflict of interest of me trying to do my work where i am maybe cps but i haven't talked to the people i need to talk to just yet because i'm you know still trying to tweak some things my packages um, but I have some connections where I can say, okay, I, this is what I'm looking for or wanting to do. How does that work? And I'm, I'm clear. They're like boys and girls clubs, you know, YMCA's, you know, these folks, these, these programs will probably foster wanting to support the programs that I would offer for parents right now, because I'm, I'm full-time, you know, teacher in the classroom. It, it's a little challenging. So I have to you know, plan carefully and then execute. Um, but I'm definitely... I would, I would love to get started, you know, sooner than later. So I'm going to get myself to the end of the year <laughs> okay. to see if I can make it grow. But I'm, I'm definitely willing to have conversations with people who say, go in this direction or go in that, that direction. Because again, I'm new. I, July, the end of July will make two years, you know, so I'm building my network and, you know, people that I'm meeting and, and trying to get myself out there. I don't have a problem with saying, Hey, let me come into your church organization or your round table with parents groups that you know and let, let's let's talk about this and let me let me support you and let's have a conversation about what's going on with your kid and you know that kind of thing so no uh, whatever i can do to kind of get myself out there and grow you know my business to support families I, i'm willing to do that hopefully there's something that can even open up within the school mm -hmm. where you can kind of promote your way up yes in, yes. in, in the coaching environment yeah, that, that's a thought. I thought of it years ago. I really did. Um, I always say I just needed to see it being done right. Right? Yeah. One in New Jersey that I absolutely love. She's a dear friend of mine. And I was just in awe of her. You know, she would come in and she would be like, okay, this chart. Like, I, <laughs> And then when I left her school building, she's like, okay, I want your charts. I'm like, well, I got these great ideas. For <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she just, what, like she made me feel like I could just do it all when it came to literacy. Um, so yes, I appreciate you, you saying that. And even, you know, if you have listeners who say, you know what, mate, let's tap her brain. Let's see if, you know, like I'm open to that because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what it looks like right now. You know, I'm just not sure, but I know I want to do it, whatever it is. But I do know that there's going to be a life for me very soon outside of the classroom. And I don't want to leave education because I know there's a lot of work to do, but I definitely want um, I want our babies to win. I want our babies to win. And I want our parents to win. I want our families to win. I don't want my, I have three eyes. I want our parents to be informed. I want to feel, I want them to be included. Okay. And I, I want them to feel, um, uh, oh gosh, what was on other eye? Just, just like that. I forgot. Anyway, <laughs> I, I want them to, to stop thinking that they can't. No, you need to, number one, but you, you can. You need to get involved. You need to take these small steps, these baby steps, and you. but you need to be there. You know, you need to come to the table. 
and stop thinking that you can't and stop allowing people to, to tell you that you can't you know yes you, we got to yes. change the thinking we got to change the thinking because we need everybody's hands on deck not to be cliche but to be cliche yes that is that is something i'm very big on uh being a, a partner in your child's learning yes. experience i think it's very important yes informed included they just they need to get the information some parents feel, par feel powerless because they don't have the information. They need to get the information and they need to know how to act on it. And so that's 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 where I am with my my business, my book. I want parents to, to get on board. Wonderful. Well, I have one final question for you before I let you go. Okay. And so it is, I hope it's a fun one. It's our 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Uh, it's our decade question. Okay. And so basically uh, from either of these decades of your choosing is there a tv sitcom a film or a song that might represent either your teaching style or maybe your experience in teaching this year oh wow <laughs> <laughs> wow where'd you come up with that one from that's a good one <laughs> yeah I, just, I i like to get a little creative and make it a little oh, fun oh, that is really good a tv show it could be any any tv show a sitcom or you know, I don't know, a drama, it could be a film, uh, any songs, any anything of that nature. And e from either decade, right? Oh. You might have more than one. <laughs> oh my God. See, I, and I love music, so my head is spinning like, okay, what song, what song, what song, what song? Um, <laughs> um, well, what comes to mind immediately in terms of teaching, definitely um, like Teddy Pendergrass's, the, what is that song, Wake Up Everybody? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh, right. that's a good one. Wake up everybody. No more sleeping in bed. And that to me is very symbolic of like it's time for y'all to get up and wake up and because we got some stuff we gotta do. Right. Oh see, I was gonna I was gonna take it as something different because I was gonna say that that could also be symbolic into the, the time right now. Yeah. You know, the era of time too. Yeah. Of yeah. how we're mentioning with like with COVID and parents. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 and, and, and yeah. And symbolically, we've been sleeping. We've been, we've been sleeping on our kids. We've been sleeping on what they need. COVID woke us up to say, oh, I got these kids home every day and I really thought they were doing <laughs> school. Like, the mirror. The mirror came out. Some people chose yes. it. But right. So they wake up everybody. It, it's a call to action. And so Teddy. I think, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I love is, him. Oh, that is awesome. a big one. TV show? Um, mm, I, I don't know because I'm a child of the 70s. And, and so I watched a little bit of everything. For me, it, okay. it was the corny um, sitcoms. Not the sitcoms. Well, sitcoms, but um, variety shows where... <laughs> Like, like Donnie and Marie. I know I'm aging myself. I have no problem telling you that I'm 53 years old going on 54. So, you know, I've seen all those right. shows coming on, though, you know, when the Jackson Pfizer used to be on TV and, you know, Carol Burnett and, you know, those kind of hokey shows. So I think, yeah. you know, what I, I will say is this. You have to have, speaking of variety shows, you have to have a variety of tricks in your bag. There we go. <laughs> tricks in your bag. You have to entertain. You have to engage. You have to inform. You have to inspire. And you have to. I always say when I'm a teacher in the classroom, as a teacher in the classroom, I'm. I, I'm, I feel like I'm on stage. I gotta be on. I gotta this be is true. <laughs> I want my students to listen to me. I want them to believe in me. I want. I want them to follow me. I want them to believe. Like she knows what she's talking about. And even when I don't, you know, there's a joke or a funny somewhere. I'll break out into a song or a dance. So there you have. It. <laughs> I love a variety of tricks in my bag to get my students. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna come back tomorrow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. There you go. Those are my two things. That song and a variety show because you need a variety of things to people to keep people coming back. I can second that. That is true. I've seen some teachers really show up like that. It's <laughs> crazy. Maybe she does know what she's talking about. Yes. Have to be all things in the moment, right? Yeah, <laughs> all these shows gave us just that—a little bit of everything. There you go. 
Yes, all things in the moment. I love that. Speaking of Jackson 5, I was actually thinking about Michael. Um, I was thinking about uh, his song, Rock With You. Mm. I think that has been uh, for this. Uh, oh, geez, it's went by so fast. I almost was going to say something else. I was going to say this year, but no, it's a whole new year, like three weeks in, right? <laughs> right. Um, so for the first three, first three weeks so far this year, Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that song has been a reflection of our homeschool experience these last three weeks. My son, as I mentioned, he is interested in um, engineering, but he's also really interested in acting as well. And wow. so he, uh, we had the chance to take him to his first uh, Broadway musical. He, he saw Lion King last year, and we've kind of been hitting the different theater circuits and theater places around the city and and suburban areas. And he's just engulfed in that and learning and things like that. So I'm just all for it, supporting him, just making sure I can put up the money for whatever. And that's that. (laughs) You know what? There's no greater sacrifice than when you can pour into your child and, you know, in their passions. Um, you know, I know that as in raising a 27 year old, she said, oh, I want to study fashion. And I thought it was random, but it was like, okay, all right, well, let's sign you up for some summer workshops. Let's do this. So it was New York. It was Philadelphia week here. You know, I was on the train one, one for 10 days, I think with her one time, you know, making sure she went to these, the exposure to the fashion stuff and the work that she thought she wanted to do. And, you know, and it pays off. It does. And so you sacrifice now and you'll see the return later. And, and it's just, it's a wonderful thing. So kudos to you for, for knowing and doing, because it's one thing, you know, and you do nothing about it, but it's another thing when you know, and you do something about it. Yes. Yes. I absolutely agree with you. Thank you. He really will. I, I hope so. I hope so. He's he's ready. So I told him, I was like, this is the year. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. You're going to do it. We're going to be there. And that's that. That's why I say you live out your dream and I'll take care of the rest of it. The rest mm-hmm. of it's my job. So. Absolutely. Awesome. Where can our listeners find you for consulting? I know we have kmonicaconsulting.com, but is there any other... Um, contact information maybe they can use to connect with you sure um my email is lit l-i-t leader l-e-a-d-e-r at k monica consulting.com um that's my email so folks can email me and i'm very good about my messages i think they can always get back to me social media you certainly can reach out to me at k monica consulting on facebook I'm also on Instagram. So, you know, all those social media handles, I always check my inboxes because, you know, I know people, you know, tend to, to use that sometimes more so than anything. And again, I'm, I'm very good about getting back to folks because when, when there's a need, you know, I, I'm obligated or I'm, 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 I feel like I'm on a mission and I need to answer the call. So I, I, I always respond. Wonderful. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed listening to all of the tips and expertise from Mrs. Wright today as much as I did. Continue to follow the Friends of Cabrini podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And make sure you connect with Mrs. Wright at her contact information that we're going to have listed right here in our show notes. Until next time. Hey friends, so did you enjoy today's show? I know I sure did. Go ahead right now and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And make sure you tell a friend.